This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's going on, fam? Welcome back to another episode of Snapback Sports Pod. On this episode, we had the pleasure to interview Miles Turner, star of the Indiana Pacers. We talked a lot about Giannis MVP debate. We talked Knicks and what the actual word is around the NBA. We ranked fast food burgers, and we got a full-on breakdown of the Whataburger menu and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy this. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow on Spotify. But let's get it. Blue wire. The Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson. I'm a Raven. He's on all year, every year. Jackson takes it himself. Oh! He broke his ankles! What is going on, everyone? We are super, super excited to welcome Miles Turner, star of the Indiana Pacers, to the Snapback Sports Pod. Miles, how are you doing this morning? Man, I'm blessed, man. Appreciate y'all for having me on. Appreciate you and, coming on. And this is a, a special shout-out to my best friend, Joe Schwartz, who's been on the podcast twice, and now Miles has been on. So we have a nice Texas crew as our Longhorns are fighting to get into the tournament. So we're looking for that. Uh, but Miles, I've watched you obviously since your years at Texas, now growing through the league. Um, what's it been like making that transition from someone who wasn't really a diehard basketball baller's life to now this is now your career and your life? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I got to give a shout out to Joe Schwartz as well. That's my guy. <laughs> <laughs> I've fun with him at school and, uh, he helped me a lot as well, you know, when I was um, in the gym and coming up. But um, that transition, man, it was um, it was crazy because you know you go from being a really a 19 year old kid to having to grow up really fast. And you know, I've always kind of been the one just to um, I kind of just I, I was I was a little immature. Like I've always been mature, but as far as my my stature and the way I was going about things, was very immature. And coming to a locker room where you know at Texas, where I was hanging out with guys at the class or. We would just go to, I don't know, Kirby Lane. We would just do anything and just go kick it. And mm-hmm. then you come, into the, you come into the league, it's like, man, these guys are 28, 30 years old. They're going home to their families. You pretty much have nobody. So you just have to learn how to, I just I guess, make it for yourself. And on the court, these are, these are grown-ass men, you know. Um, everybody's a lot stronger, faster. The game's a lot uh, the game's a lot faster. So this in itself was rough for a little bit off the floor for me. But on the floor, I kind of just uh, found my way as the season progressed. Gotcha. And it was funny because you didn't struggle at Texas, but you played in a role that wasn't typical of a lottery pick and someone who's going to thrive in that. So how do you go from not gaining quite the experience that we expected at Texas into that league where, like you said, it's these grown men moving at full speed? 
Well, the college game is so much different than the um, than the league. You know, I think um, I, I played uh, a center my entire life. When I got to college, you know, I was there with three other centers. And you had Connor Lammer, you had Prince Ebay, Cameron Ridley, even John Holmes played a little center as well. So I was kind of thrown in a position where I was playing the four a lot. And I it was a very weird transition for me. Like, I've always been like a around the perimeter, kind of, I mean, around the post kind of guy. I and mean, I was obviously able to shoot, but um, I was just kind of thrust in a position that where I guess I just wasn't ready. You know, I wasn't ready to step in there and play that huge role. And then um, the position that I was in, it was um, very controversial. You know, I mean, me and Coach Barnes obviously had our relationship and, you know, it wasn't the best. But um, once I was able to get into the free draft process, I was able to show more of my talents. And, you know, teams start to see what my, what my potential could have been. So it was definitely the best decision for me just to, you know, come out that first year. Right. I feel like I feel like you're just part of that group. Like what is Texas basketball without a dominant big man nowadays between <laughs> you, Mo Bamba, Jackson Hayes. But I wanted to more shift into where you are right now in your career. Um, being that you are a, a, a well-known NBA player, you've made a name for yourself already and you've pretty much established this platform. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about this because about two days ago, um, a clip went viral of you and a little girl sitting courtside in Dallas before a game, and you got to share a conversation with that little girl. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think her name's Amaya Moon. Could you just explain what what that moment meant to you and how you're able to use your platform to do to do better for the younger generation and everyone that looks up to you as an NBA player? Well, it's huge, man. Ever since I've, you know, I've kind of been someone in my community that people have looked up to for a long time. You know, I come from the Hershelis, Bedford area. Not particularly a huge area, but you know, a lot of people know who I am. And I always told myself if I ever got the platform, you know, to use my use my voice for something greater, I always would. And uh, with Amaya, you know, she just some short um, some short context, like she um, was battling a rare form of cancer, and it, this is a type of cancer that very rarely shows up in in children. You know, it, it, it most shows up in the elderly, but um, she had to endure chemotherapy and. That obviously knocked out a lot of her hair. Like she doesn't have, she's she's bald in a sense, and you know she has to wear a wig to school. And um, when she was at school and she was in PE class, uh, a few of the kids thought it'd be funny to you know snatch her wig off and run around with it in the gym, and um, they hid it from her, and she basically it basically kind of tore her apart. And mind, this is an 11 year old child, man, and it just basically like she just wanted to, in her words. She wanted to leave school forever. You know, when I kind of saw that story, it was just like disheartening to me just knowing that, you know, this kind of bullying and this kind of stuff, like, like how can you bully like a kid with cancer dog? Like, that's just like crazy, yeah. you know. But that kind of stuff happens all the time. And, um, you know, when I was in middle school, I got bullied. I got bullied quite a bit. You know, people see me now, like big seven foot, like, I, I'm like, how the hell did you get bullied? But, you know, things were always the same. And, um, Nah, so once I saw the story, it resonated with me a little bit, and I just kind of wanted to use her story just to just to spread awareness and and obviously just to give her a good time as she was able to come to the game and uh, forget about her cancer for a little while, forget about the thing that was going on off the floor, and just uh, have fun, relax, and um, just enjoy a great game. You know, the Dallas game was fun, and um, got, got a chance to spend some time with her. So the biggest thing I, I, I used it for, man, was just awareness and um you know use my platform or something greater that's amazing that's a big part of what we do here is using our platform although not quite as big as yours but we did a nice fundraiser for the mamba mama Cita foundation on sunday and it really is special when you can have i mean even if it's five people you can get to raise 10 bucks for cancer research if it's to highlight her day and make her feel better it's great that you really did that so thank you for doing that sir of course 
So uh, Abe asked me not to blow up his spot on the podcast, but <laughs> but that's obviously what I'm going to do. So before we knew you were even coming on the podcast, I've been telling him for weeks that the Pacers are sleepers in the Eastern Conference. You guys are hovering around the five, six. I mean, it's it's very fluid two through two through six, but he has a little doubt in your squad. Um, I, on the other hand, am a big believer that you can win multiple playoff series. So for those who don't know why, because Abe's one of those people who doesn't know why, can you explain why you guys are going to be a very good team come postseason time? Well, hey, first of all, that's crazy, dog. You up, but it's all good. <laughs> but, um, well, there's obviously been a lot of doubt with us just because of, I think, years past. You know, I've been in the league for, you know, five years now, and – uh, my first four years has been have been early uh, first round exits, you know, two game sevens and two sweeps. Um, I think this year in particular, we battled injuries the entire season. You know, the first I, I missed ten games in the beginning of the year. Jeremy Lamb's out for the season. You know, Victor Oladipo obviously, obviously just came back. He's trying to find his rhythm. Malcolm Brogdon, our point guard, he's out for the next two three weeks. You know, Doug McDermott, he's out for another week or so. And that's kind of how it's been, like, all season long. It's just been – we haven't been at full strength. But the times we've been at full strength, we've been very dominant. And we've been on – you know, we've been on crazy runs. We've done uh, – good teams. So, man, I think that once we finally get our, you know, get our full squad together, we're going to be very dangerous. You know, we – and, um, you know, I think when everybody's clicking on all cylinders, it's scary. And we have so much more – so many more weapons this year than we've had in the past as far as offensively. And defensively, you know, we're still, we're still the same, you know, top five defense in the league. So um, we'll probably end up matching up with either Boston or Miami. I think those are both matches that, you know, we can take advantage of. But it's not going to be easy. So, I mean, I see where the doubt comes into play. But, you know, it's Indiana. We, we, we thrive off a doubt. You know, we thrive off of being that underdog team. So Abe's a big believer in the, the idea that his Sixers, because he's a Philly fan, that they're going to get healthy and they're going to put it all together. But I'm a big believer that, like you just said, you guys actually have shown when you're playing at full strength and you don't have those in, outside of Jeremy, who's obviously out for the year. You guys are planning to be healthy heading into the playoffs. So I think that's a really exciting thing. Do you guys look to, like, is there a matchup in the East that you're like, oh, we really think this is the one? Or is it more like... Uh, you just kind of play who's put in front of you. Yeah, we kind of just play who's put in front of us. Well. We just want to get in, man. Just um, once we get in the playoffs, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I mean, like I said, either no matter who we match up with, it's going to be tough because, you know, I I, I discounted Philly because we're ahead of them right now, but anything can happen. But Philly, Boston, Miami, we're going to end up playing one of those, um, one of those three teams. And, you know, they're all – um, they're all tough teams. I mean, this is uh, everybody looks at the East like it's such a slouch or it's just a easy dub. But you know, we're I think the East is tough this year. Right. I need to I need to defend myself for a quick second because Jack <laughs> kind of puts Jack Jack put a lot of words in my mouth. Listen, Miles, I grew up playing sports, playing basketball, so I'm a competitor. So you're gonna ride for your guys no matter what. I have been a diehard Philadelphia Sixers fan my entire life, painful or not. So my my doubt of the Indiana Pacers doesn't necessarily come from a basketball standpoint, but more of that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick anybody over my guys. But Respect. I mean I think Respect. what I think what you guys are doing, what you guys are doing with I mean, you had Vic out for half the year. I mean, Nate showed last year what he could do as a coach and now you're fighting through Malcolm Brockton's injury. I mean, I think it just shows what kind of unit you guys are. 
But listen, I'm, I mean, I, I like to consider us friends already. But I mean, if you match up against if you match up against my Sixers, then sorry, brother, it's like well, I'm Abe, not riding for my guys. Abe, you have to take the snapback bump into account. So Miles, so since oh, we've yeah. had a few podcast guests on, uh, one was Austin Eckler. He just signed okay. his you know his lifetime contract, twenty four million dollars starting running back in the NFL. Then last week we had Derek White on. He's played three games since. He's been inserted into the starting lineup. He scored 17-15. Last night, 14-9-7, four blocks, two steals. So I think with the snapback bump plus the Pacers getting healthy, Abe, I think you're in trouble. But another reason I think Abe's super salty is because your next game is in Philly against the Sixers, and he's a little nervous for it. As it should be. I mean, I think that we 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 beaten Philly twice this year. Ooh, I will say I will say the first time they didn't have Ben Simmons, and the second time they didn't have Embiid. So they they haven't been fully healthy, but we haven't either. So I just think that it's a yeah, I take into account a lot of things. Like I said, Philadelphia's a tough place to play. I mean, it's a uh, fans are fans are assholes for sure, but. Uh, <laughs> For the most part, it's <laughs> thank still, you. It's thank still, you very uh, much. It's, it's still kind of a you know a fun environment to be a part of. That's a compliment. But like you said, you didn't. We didn't have Joel Ben. So when Ben doesn't play on Saturday night and you guys wax us, then I'm gonna use that excuse if you don't mind. <laughs> so Miles, I was thinking about coming down to Philly um, and watching the game and rooting against Abe for my newfound love for the Pacers. But more <laughs> importantly, I first wanted to audition for the first ever edition of the Turner's Block Road Edition. So for the people that don't know, Miles has a nice fan group that sits in what section? Is it 101? Uh, 120. Sits in section 120, and every year they have to audition to be in the section. So there's incredible stories, and I'll let you tell uh, maybe your favorite story of an audition. But first, I would like to audition for a role as a party of one in Turner's Block, okay? I get 20 seconds, is that correct? Uh, you do. It could be quite interesting over the phone, but yes, you get 20, <laughs> 20 seconds. Well, I, I wrote a little rap. I don't rap at all. I can't sing for anything. I'm really bad at art, so we'll see how this goes. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Miles Turner, king of the burner. Come in his paint, and you'll be a learner. Don't come up, <laughs> don't come up in the block hot, because he keeps his SWAT hot. Indiana Pacer coming in his paint, feeling like you got hit with a taser. Boy from Texas, catch him rolling in his Lexus. Next big thing in the league. Hashtag check this. Hashtag oh, my God. That was bars. brutal. Hashtag <laughs> <bars>. <laughs> okay. That's about the whitest thing I think I could have done. But I got, um, I got like, secondhand embarrassment from listening to that. <laughs> so, but what's what's the final oh. verdict? Turner's block. I had like one person like get down on one knee and like propose to me. I had like what else? I've had people like have full on like fights. Like it's it's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um, all right, so maybe I'll see you in Philly. So, what about your? So we read a lot about you, and you were kind of—I mean, to put it nicely—a nerd. But I think now that you're a cool guy, it's cool to own that part of you. So, what would you say is like your passion points off the court? Yeah, no, I fully embrace that. Like, I've always kind of been like when I was growing up, I was always like one of the smarter kids. But at the same time, I played sports, so it's like all the nerds are my best friends, and like I got along with all like the popular kids and the and it's the I guess the the cool kids at that. So I mean, I kind of was able to 
diversify myself and get along with both and get along with both worlds. So I mean now like I obviously enjoy my video games. Um and it's funny, like I, I build the I build the Lego figurines. Like I'm actually literally like building one right now as 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 we're speaking on the podcast. Which one? But, Which one? Uh it's it's called a Star Destroyer. It's huge. It's a if anybody watches Star Wars, it's it's basically Darth Vader's uh, uh, attack ship. But um, yeah, that sounds dorky as hell. But that, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but, speaking uh, yeah, speak, no, Bill, <laughs> go ahead. Speaking of dorky as hell, um, mm. I've been getting a lot of a lot of heat from Jack and from other of my friends. But I was lucky enough to see your Instagram story last night, and I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. Miles, <laughs> I am a huge Bachelor fan. A huge Bachelor fan. Did you watch uh, that finale last night? I did, and you know, I, I deleted all my social media apps before because you have you know, we you had the game. Everything on yeah. Twitter. Yeah, we had the game last night, and uh, it would have ruined it for me if I watched it. And I am a Bachelor fan. I just started watching this season, um, so too. I can't say that me I've too. been like I've been like a lifelong or anything like that. But um, the very first episode, I was like, oh, this is stupid. And I kept watching it. And said, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'm watching it again next week. Next week. Like, that, that's how it happened. I feel like, exactly. And I feel like that's how it just sucks you in. But, yeah, the finale was crazy, dog. I didn't think, I think, um, what's his face, Peter's mom was, like, made the entire episode, show. It was literally an episode of Jerry Springer. Um, most definitely. They were going back and forth. Maddie held strong. I think Hannah Ann stunned the hell out of uh, Peter, <laughs> she said. She yeah, said, that, you got to learn how to be a, you got to learn how to be a real man. And he would have, Peter couldn't even have the last word. Pops was looking at him crazy. Like, it was just a lot, dog. But, yeah, man, the Bachelor is crazy. Hell, hell of a following. It, it's quite funny to keep it up with all the tweets and everything. And yeah, I'll definitely oh. be back next season. With Twitter, the, Twitter is a war zone. During with the, the fact so that no one in the NBA can keep a secret, the fact that they do a pretty good job of keeping all what happens in the show offline, even if they have to – like, it is pretty amazing that no one really knows, unless you do deep digging. This right. You know, there's a couple – No one really knew. Yeah. There's a couple, like, you know, accounts and stuff like that that – have their fair share of, of knowledge and they'll, they'll put some spoilers out there and whatnot. But for the most part, anyway, that was pretty quiet. All right. All right. So that's probably all the time Jack will let me talk about the bachelor. I've been blowing up. His <laughs> well, I didn't, I knew you were a big bachelor fan. I actually didn't know this was your first season watching both of you, your first season. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys know about bachelor in paradise? I, yeah, I heard that. I am like locked in step. for Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> I heard like, that's the next step. <laughs> yeah, The Bachelor in Paradise. Look, I'm I'm a fan of the show. I'm I'm I can't lie. I'm not a diehard like you two are. But Bachelor in Paradise used to be like the fun version of it. Now I don't know. It's a lot of drama. The problem is what happened was it used to be like really entertaining because everyone would just like you know do all this crazy shit. But then everyone became social media stars, so now everyone like tries a little too hard. But Bachelor in Paradise Bachelor. overall is like a it's like a frat version of like b- the Bachelor show. Solid. Does anyone want to talk about basketball, or you want to still talk about reality TV? <laughs> we, we never actually talk about sports on the show. I, I've got a question I mean, about actual. I've got a question about actual sports. So throughout your right. career, been. Yeah, I know it's kind of sad talking about basketball, but uh, <laughs> throughout your career, you've you've uh, you've made a lot of posters of people, whether it's Tristan Thompson, Marquise Chris, Gordon Hayward in the playoffs last year. But in the same breath, you are you were the NBA blocks leader. You are one of the top shot blockers in the league. What's more satisfying, putting someone on a poster and dunking on them, or stuff, or meeting someone at the rim and absolutely sending them back? What do you get more enjoyment out of? Well, that's a great question. Um... 
I think for me personally, I get more enjoyment out of like a big block because especially when you're at home, it just gets everybody going, energizes the team. And I'm like, I'm the only one on the team who really, who really does it. So I think <laughs> when that happens, no matter where I'm at, like, I think that's just more like, uh, it just gets me going a bit more. Now, like a big dunk is cool, you know, but at the same time, like, I think just blocking somebody's shot, it's just like, it's intimidating, you know, it just kind of just puts a message in the, like, puts a message, send a message to the other team, you know. All right. That was kind of a little bit of a subtweet to Demontis Sabonis. Like, bro, I need some help at the rim. Come block <laughs> <the> shot. <laughs> Domas knows his role, man. He knows he's he's not much of a shot. That's an all-star right there. Has his contributions, yeah. Um, I'm curious. So, obviously, there's a lot of debate right now going around with LeBron or Giannis, MVP. Um, how much two, – two questions. First, how much do players in the league actually care about that type of stuff? I know it's important to win these awards, and it means a lot for off-the-court endorsements in your contract, and it is meaningful to a degree. But, one, how much do players actually lock in on that? And then, two, do you actually have an opinion on, like – like, put it in perspective, because right now it's just a bunch of uh, other NBA Twitter nerds tweeting about why LeBron or Giannis is MVP. But maybe someone yeah. in the league, especially, I mean, you face off with Giannis, you're in the East a bunch. So what's your kind of thoughts on all of that? Well, first of all, I hate analytics. I hate them. I think analytics did have Wow. Been... That's uh, ironic. I mean, you're yeah, a number, you're a nerd. Yeah. I just, <laughs> as far as um, basketball is concerned, just roll the ball out, let's hoop, you know. And Watch coming game. to play, yeah, and Liz coming to play, it, it completely changed the way all these teams play basketball. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm all for progression and I'm all for, you know, the purity of the game, but I think analytics takes a lot of that purity out of the game. But, you know, it's a it's a business, it's a, it's a numbers game, and you have to do what's best for your franchise. I understand that. You know, you do what you do. You know, it is what it is. You know, it, it's kind of what it's kind of what makes basketball what it is today. But, you know, outside of that, I think that the MVP race and all that kind of stuff, guys do keep up with it, but it's so media-driven and so, like, uh, political that it kind of takes, same thing, a lot of that purity out of it. Now, with this year, I mean, there's, there's obviously two front runners in LeBron and Giannis. I think LeBron can win the MVP every year. Like, what he does for teams and what he's, what he's been able to do, like, his entire career, his consistency has been amazing. But politically, it wouldn't make sense or it wouldn't help the league if LeBron wins the MVP every single year. Then it's like, oh, okay, well, this is rigged or, oh, this is yada, 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 you know? Now, given Giannis MVP last year did wonders for the game because Giannis obviously had a hell of a season last year, but he's an international player, and the league wants to go international. You know, you have a lot of more international guys. You have a lot more international viewership. You know, I look at, like, um, like Rui Hachimura, like the dude from the – the rookie from the Wizards. Like, just alone, this, the, the, the Japan view – like, viewmanship this year has gone through the roof. His jersey like the number one selling jersey in Japan. The more players that you incorporate, the more players that you make the pace to lead international, the more viewing you know you get on a worldwide basis. That's where Lee's trying to go. So anyway, kind of back to my original point. Um, it'd be hard not to give the MVP this year to Giannis just because they had the best record in the league. He has like earth-shattering numbers when it comes to his analytics per se. Um, you know, he's playing great defense. Um, you know, there's obviously a huge difference when he's not on the floor. I think that's another thing that people don't take into account is MVP is the most valuable player, like most valuable to his team. You know, whenever Giannis isn't on the floor, the Bucks are a completely different team. Whereas LeBron's off the floor, the Lakers, they may struggle a little bit, but they still have Anthony Davis, still have guys that come and kind of in and fill in that void. And um, I, honestly, I personally think it'll be a back-to-back MVP for Giannis, but the argument is there for LeBron James as well. Number one team, well, number one team in the West, I, I believe. You know, they're still our very dominant team and can potentially win the championship this year. So 
a lot of things tie into it. I hate that the Twitter nerds go in there and try, try to throw these numbers out there, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, facts are facts. So, so you pretty much just outlined everything Jack and I have been saying on the podcast for the past few weeks because Jack and I talk about how pretty much similar to NBA players, we consider the media our enemy because we pride ourselves <laughs> on being different. Not like not one thing happens on a Tuesday night game and it's the top segment on first take or all these other shows the next day. But if mm-hmm. we just for us it's listen, take the whole body of work. Do not overreact to everything you see on a daily basis because at the end of the day, all these conversations that are being had are are just to get you talking. There are a lot of clickbait stuff. Of course. And I think that's a yes. lot about what gets fun in the media. I think that's what we're seeing with with Giannis and LeBron right now because Jack Jack made a good point the other day. People were saying LeBron went off on Sunday because he it was a huge Sunday game, a prime time, like in the national spotlights against his crosstown rival, the Clippers, who everyone thinks is going to be there at the end. But realistically, he just put up his average numbers in, in that particular game. But because it was on such a big stage, people are hyping up to be something. It's not when when you take a step back and you look at what Giannis is doing. They, he doesn't have another essential co-MVP candidate. He does have Chris Middleton, who's having a very, very under-the-spotlight season. Got to be a 50-40-90 guy, averaging 20 points a game. But there's a difference yeah. between Chris Middleton and Anthony Davis. I think we can all agree on that. But then you look at Giannis, and he's putting up these Shaquille O'Neal numbers, and they're going to win probably 70 games. So I think it's a lot mm-hmm. of people just need to take a step back and actually realize what's going on. Yeah, no, it's definitely capping what you were saying, like as far as um, the the primetime game and whatnot. Like they have to drive the narrative. That's the media's job. That's the, you know, the first take the ESPN, their job. But one thing I know about like those media outlets is they have their guys that they have to, I guess they have to hype up in a sense. And the Lakers are, bro, they have like one of the, they have one of the biggest followings in the world. You know, you have your big market teams, the Lakers, Boston, um, New York. Like even though New York sucks, they're still going to always have a huge following just because they are, uh... are, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And that's just how, and that's just how this stuff is. Like, so yeah, they have to drive that narrative in LeBron, the Kawhi, like that gets more views. As far as the first take and all that stuff's concerned, yeah, Stephen A. Wild and Out or Max, um, whatever the hell his name is, Kevin Kellerman, Cleveland, whatever, like going, going at it, saying all this controversial stuff to get you guys talking and to get you guys saying, oh wait, he has a point. Well, really, no, he doesn't. Like he just, he just makes you think that what he's saying is, you know, is true. Is because he's on first take because he's on that. That's probably like, when's the last time you've heard about the Indiana Pacers? Like outside of maybe one national TV game, like. Guys right. don't talk about that. That's why Abe's teams. a hater. He doesn't know. Yeah, no, guys don't talk fan. about small market teams. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. whenever the playoffs start, it's like, oh, yeah, dang, I forgot Indiana was a team. Or, oh, dang, <laughs> I forgot, you know, these guys were good, you know? Like, outside of Toronto winning the championship last year or having or having Kawhi, they didn't talk about – they didn't talk about the, like, Toronto like that. It's just, like, little teams right. they have to talk about all the time. Like, you always hear about this Spike Lee stuff with the Knicks or this crazy stuff. Like, they have to – drive these bigger market teams that's where all the revenues at so you just you just spit so many facts but the thing i heard the loudest because i have to hear it every episode from jack jack is a diehard new york knicks fan and the loudest thing you just said was new york sucks so jack <laughs> you literally just that's killed probably, me on air probably, you should have seen my probably, reaction probably, that was probably a little harsh that was probably a little harsh but i mean you know, my, no, dad, my, my dad my dad my dad is a huge knicks fan as well so if he was listening to this he'd be tight but um <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, the, well, the facts are is that, like, the Knicks, just, they just haven't been a good team in the past, I don't know, what, has it been, like, 10 years? 
At least. I think like forty. I think forty to fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Not forty being, to fifty. But hey, but, but hey, but that being but that being said, we lost to the Knicks this year. <laughs> so you know, anything can happen in this league. That's kind of how this stuff. We lost them at home, you know. So saying they sucked, that was probably a little harsh. But all right, so Miles, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you trying to rebound from that statement. At this point, it's just a fact. The Knicks suck. We're not good. Like no one's denying that in New York. But I do want to clear something up, just in a quick little uh, answer because we've got to get to ranked. What is the general feeling around the league? Like, are all the media reports of literally no one wants to play there true? Or is it we've just had a bad run for a few years? Um, 30 years. Personally, personally, I don't I don't necessarily know what the free agent market is like in that sense because I think that with the ownership and all that stuff that's going on over there, it's just, and like I said, in the media, it just looks really bad. Mm-hmm. So if guys see all this stuff in the media and see how it's such like a, like, such like a, uh, for lack of a better word, it's like, just like, uh, I, I mean, just, uh, I guess a, like a barn fire over there. Like, you know, <laughs> people aren't, <laughs> of course. Miles is like, trying no matter, to say a shit show. Yes, we understand. I was going to say dumpster fire. <laughs> So people see that that the narrative driven in the media. It's like, of course, you don't want to go play there if you have a choice as a free agent. Like they're going to pay you all this money, but it's like, is it really worth it? You know. So I think the consensus, the general consensus, is you know, there's not anything great going on over there. So why am I going to, why am I going to waste my prime years going over there to play? That's why I don't get any big you know prime free agents. And then you know, it's hard to play in New York <laughs> as far as yeah. the media and all that stuff mm-hmm. concerned. It's hard to go there and perform well every single night and just. Uh, Put on for those fans because they're just like Philly fans. Like you're playing bad, they're gonna boo you. Like it's just a lot of stuff that can happen. <laughs> Once it's, again, yeah, thank you. you don't you don't get the love like you do in Indiana. There's no Turner's no. block. There's pretty much just back page about why you suck if you have one bad game. Dolan, Dolan's dumpster. <laughs> Um, all right, real quick, let's knock out ranked. So on today's episode, we're going to go into rank the best fast food burgers. So not combos, not fries included, just the actual sandwich, the burger itself. So I will begin. Uh, we go from number three down to our number one ranking. I'm going to start with Shake Shack. That's my number three fast food Ooh. burger. Ooh. Any retorts to that being on the list? Three, no, it should be on the list, but I think three is a little low. Oh, okay. Abe? Number three for me, I'm not sure if it's all over the country or not, but Bobby's Burger Palace, Bobby Filet, he has a burger joint, and it is the most Is that fast food? It's fast casual. It's as as fast as Shake Shack. Okay. I've never heard of that. Have you heard of that, man? I haven't. I I can't say that I have. Where's the demographic? Where's the demographic? Yeah, where's it at? I mean, I live in the Northeast, so it's there, but I've seen I live in the Northeast, and I've never heard of that. We'll do some more research to see if that's a true qualifier. It definitely is. <laughs> um, all right, Miles, you're number three. Number three for me is probably Wahlburgers. I, I actually like that spot. It's not bad. And um, they're, they're, that's they're, they pop Wahlberg's up everywhere. Point, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I if you're trying to, like, yeah, like I said, it's not, it's not like, gonna blow your mind but i think it's pretty good you know i'm also a shake shake fan as well so that was that would be my other number three but um i think Wahlberg is pretty solid i have i haven't heard of that one either to be honest it's Mark really? Wahlberg's oh, spot. Yeah. Uh, spot. Yeah, they're, they're everywhere. The reason we did this segment particularly is because we read that, well, your mom is a very successful businesswoman, but her first job was actually at a Whataburger. I've never had right. Whataburger. Oh, well, that, well, that, I mean, well, spoiler, that's my number one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're going to ruin the list. But um, all right, my number two is McDonald's because only because I think the value yeah, 
Yeah, the value and the consistency, and it just brings up childhood memories to me. I agree. It's definitely not the most high-quality burger, but you get a Big Mac or you get two double cheeseburgers for two bucks. I think overall, all all aspects taken in, I'm going with McDonald's. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as far as the, the nostalgia life. factor, the nostalgia yeah. factor is definitely. Yeah. I see that. Um, you got that bang I think, my, <laughs> I think my number two had to be Smashburger. I think Smashburger. Okay. Yeah. Abe, Abe did not approve of that one. I, I got. I think Smashburger is disgusting. <laughs> really? I, maybe I'm a Damn, okay. maybe I'm a burger hardo. Maybe I'm a burger hardo. But I was actually having this conversation with my roommate because we were we knew this segment was bad. I was like, yo, I need my list. He's like, as long as you don't put Smashburger, we both have the consensus how bad Damn, Smashburger is. But that's crazy. Hey, to each to each their own. My number two and Jack's number three is Shake Shack. Double Smoke Shack, okay. no tomato. That's the go-to order every single time. And they also have a good chicken sandwich. So that's a free Interesting. advertising. Interesting. Mm, okay, it. my number one that I'm actually, I feel very strongly about and is not In-N-Out because In-N-Out's overrated. I'm going with Five Guys, Burgers, and oh, Fries. Five Guys, five is, guys. it is that, ju- that one always hits. Never missed, always hits. I can't could not agree more, solid. Jack. This is That's the first time I've ever one, agreed though. like that. It's, That's it a is. number one. I'm a, I must agree myself. Okay. So, Miles yeah. is obviously going with Whataburger. My only counter to Whataburger, well, first of all, Abe, you're going to Austin for a bachelor party. You're going to have Whataburger, so you'll have to report now listen, back. To- now, listen. Now, listen. Now, listen. listen. There's a so there's crazy thing about Whataburger, though. Like, first of all, man, there's a couple factors that go into Whataburger that make Whataburger great. You can't, like, go to Whataburger, like, get it to go, wait, and eat at your house. You got to get, you got to eat it on the spot. That's true, true. Another thing, too, don't get a Whataburger. Don't get a number one. That's the common mistake people make. They get a number one or whatever. Like, oh, this is trash. Like, no, bro. Either get a patty melt or get like a chop house cheddar burger. There's a whole yep. bunch of other stuff you have to do to get into it. You can't just get like a number one. Like, oh, this is this is this is a basic burger. Like, no, nah, bro. Like, you have to do it right. That is right. incredible I got, I got insight. The the only I thing I didn't get my one. You agreed with me. You said five guys. <laughs> You just want to hear yourself talk. Go for it. Say your number one. (laughs) My number one is I wanted to ask more about Whataburger because, Miles, I am going to. Well, first of all, stop calling it Whataburger. It's not water. It's what a burger. Whataburger. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm going down to Austin, Texas for my brother's bachelor party, and I, I've Austin. been to Austin once to go visit Jack, Ooh. and I I will never pipe up anything about Jack, his teams, his life, anything, but I went to Austin, Texas, and I swear I have never eaten better food in my entire life. So between Bro, Torchy's Tacos, <laughs> Torchy's Black's Barbecue, and Whataburger, I think. Yeah, solid, dog. Yeah, I definitely. Anytime I go to Austin, I definitely gain a lot of weight. Like, I gain a lot of <laughs> it's solid choices everywhere you go. I mean, like you said, we got the barbecue. Bro, breakfast tacos are amazing down there. That's like a yep. thing. Like, you gotta get, you gotta get breakfast tacos, bro. Like it's just, it just makes Austin Austin. Miles, qu- final question, and this was gonna be my counter to putting Whataburger number one. I knew it was gonna be on your list, so I left off mine. Um, is the burger though the best item on the menu or is it the honey butter chicken biscuit or is the honey butter chicken biscuit actually overrated i'm curious what your thoughts are great question and i have some i have some more valuable insight so (laughs) the honey butter chicken 
Biscuit is great when you are, it's 3 a.m., you're just getting back from the bars, and it's just like something to throw down on. You got to make sure you get extra, you got to make sure you get extra honey butter sauce or the biscuit will be mighty dry. Yep. I will say that if you just order it first thing in the morning, like on your way to work or just have it with a coffee, it's probably not the best thing on the menu, no. It's, I think it's great drunk food. It's great something, something just to throw down on. Yeah, spoiler alert, I drink, you know, everybody's <laughs> Um <laughs> And lastly, the best thing on the menu, bro, you got to get the honey butter. I mean, sorry, the honey barbecue chicken strip sandwich. There's a twist uh-huh. to it. You add the honey butter sauce. Some people try to substitute the barbecue sauce for the honey butter. No, you have the barbecue sauce, you add the honey butter sauce. It's like a kind of a sweet and tangy kind of thing, and it's absolutely flame fire. So, so the, you're now our second NBA player we've had on in the past actually two weeks, and I think 75% of the conversations we had between you and Derek White have revolved around food. So, People don't come think- to us to listen to sports. They want the hard-hitting yeah. analysis. I don't think you understand like how valuable that breakdown of the Whataburger menu was from Miles. You'll be in Austin oh, I- now and fully be prepared. I At have 3 a.m., ready, no, ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Um, <laughs> wait, I do have one final thing because of Abe okay. brought up the food. What is your pregame meal? Um, very, very basic. You know, I, I don't like to have a lot. I don't like to have a heavy stomach. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys are for pasta or I, I really, I literally just eat like a turkey sandwich, like okay. yeah. basic turkey, lettuce, mayo, cheese is good to go. So, so Derek White, when we asked him that question, he said it was Chipotle. And so we Ooh. go, all right, what's your order? What's it's your bold. order? And he goes, right. He goes, blah, 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 rice, beans. And then he said, chicken. So Jack and I both said at the same time, double meat, right? He's like, no, 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 not double meat. And we were just like. Honestly, shook Ow. because I, every time I go to Chipotle, it's automatic double meat and guac. But now I'm starting to think that the reason I'm not in the NBA is because I've gotten <laughs> double meat my entire life. Well, I mean, there might be other contributing factors as well. Like, I don't know you personally, but <laughs> but um, I just think, uh, first of all, D. White's my guy, man. I got a chance to, you know, play with him this summer with the Team USA stuff. So he's actually a cool dude. I actually um, I like what he's about. I think he's doing great things over there in San Antonio. Um, you know, playing that point guard position, but um, um, nah, man. Like, if, if I get Chipotle, it's gonna it's gonna screw your stomach up, yo. Like, even if you get the chicken, like, just the way they they do things over there. Like, if I'm having Chipotle, it's like one of the things I'm gonna take back to the crib. Like, I can't do that and go work out. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, so you said you don't know much about me, but just give me the benefit of the doubt that literally the only reason I'm not competing against you is because I've gotten double meat my entire life. So that's that's, that's literally all you need to know. Awesome. Oh, no, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> all right, thank you, Miles. We appreciate you coming on. Best of luck on Saturday. Maybe uh, I'll be there. Man of one, Turner's block, TBD, based on uh, a couple of viruses going around. Not sure if you've heard of them. Um, but thank you very much. Best of luck rest of the season. I do believe uh, the Pacers are going to make a run. Abe does not, so we'll check in after the playoffs and see where we uh, where we ranked out. Appreciate it, so, uh, Appreciate y'all making time, man. Thanks, man. Take it easy. All right, now.